Hi, this is Stuart Weems and welcome to the Investopoly podcast. My goal is to give you simple, easy to understand strategies, insights and tips to help you master the game of building wealth. And in this episode, I'd like to talk about sophisticated borrowers. Now, the Corporations Act, which is uh, the the body of legislation that uh, regulates uh, financial advice and the provision of financial products, including you know, um, direct shares, bonds, uh, and so forth, uh, makes a distinction between wholesale and what they call retail clients. Um, and it's assumed that wholesale clients have a sufficient level of financial literacy to, you know, self-assess the appropriateness and the risks and of particular products, uh, advice, investment strategies, and uh, really enough know-how and experience to protect their own uh, interests. And as such, uh, when dealing with a, what's determined as a wholesale client, uh, a financial services business uh, has fewer obligations, you know, fewer obligations to make sure that it's appropriate for that person. Instead, that person, that individual uh, that is this high net worth or has a high income uh, can make their own determinations of whether it's right for them or not. Uh, it's my contention then that the same provision should be available to banks and mortgage brokers. Uh, so often the way that you would assess, say, someone with a net worth of $2,000 compared to someone with a net worth of $20,000, of course, will vary. You know, so they're two different types of borrowers that should uh, attract a completely different uh, type of assessment. However, Unfortunately, currently in the legislation, no such distinction exists or allow, is allowed uh, for banks. And uh, what happens is you end up with some perverse outcomes, which I'm going to talk about, and I'm going to sort of take you through what I think uh, needs to happen. So as I said, the Corporations Act makes a distinction between wholesale and retail clients. And essentially, a wholesale client is anyone that meets the asset test or the income test. The asset test is a net worth of over $2.5 million and the income text, uh, test is a is pre-tax income of more than $250,000 a year. Now, there are some other tests uh, that, that are available, uh, including a professional investor test, so that's someone with their own AFSL license, uh, a product value test and a small business test. But mainly, it's the income and asset hurdles. Now, those hurdles... Uh, were struck uh, back in 1991, and I think we would all agree they're vastly outdated. Just because someone's got with a has a two and a half million dollar net worth doesn't necessarily mean they're a sophisticated investor and they have the know-how and financial savvy to sort of uh, make their own risk assessments. And if we adjust. Uh, just for inflation since 1991 when those amounts were struck. Uh, the income test should be something closer to 490000 uh, and the asset uh, test should be uh, north of uh, 4.9 or about $5 million. And I think that would make a bit more sense in today's dollars. Uh, look, the the idea though, bet- distinguishing between wholesale and retail clients, is that any, that people that don't have, that aren't financial savvy, uh, financially savvy that that um, don't have enough knowledge and experience uh, need greater levels of protection, uh, consumer protection. Whereas, uh, give people that are very experienced, experienced investors, the room to consider various different 
opportunities uh, and to be classified as a uh, uh, either sophisticated investor or wholesale client depends on which part of the Corporations Act we're talking about. They're one and the same thing, but uh, you need a certificate from a qualified accountant and normally so an accountant would sign uh, that off to, to demonstrate that you uh, meet that uh, meet those hurdles. Now, importantly, I'll remind you in September last year, the government announced that they would seek to wind back some of the responsible lending rules. And I, uh, I did a podcast uh, back then about those changes. The main proposed change was to sort of relax the obligations to verify how much a, a borrower is uh, spending at a particular time and what they're spending on uh, when applying for a loan. Uh, and that uh, high expenditure levels uh, essentially tell us nothing really about someone's ability to service a loan. And arguably, if you're spending a lot of money on a lot of discretionary items, that is uh, very, that provides very strong evidence you have capacity to take on additional debt. Now, that bill uh, that was drafted to, to enact those changes uh, passed the House of Representatives in March uh, this year and is currently before the Senate. Uh, it's been opposed by the Labor Party, the Greens and some consumer groups. They don't want those responsible lending laws relaxed. Um, however, the government's reaffirmed uh, its push uh, behind this legislation. Uh, says there's nothing to see here. There's no uh, consumer concerns. And the bill, as I understand it, is scheduled for a second reading next week on the 16th of June 2021. But if the bill doesn't succeed, uh, there's, in my mind, an even greater need for sophisticated borrowers to be recognised and provided for uh, in the legislation. And maybe it's one way or one avenue available to the government uh, if the bill doesn't get across the line uh, to try and uh, deal with that. Now, what is the problem with treating every single borrower the same way? Well, there's a couple of examples that I want to share with you today uh, that, that show how perverse the whole borrowing situation has become uh, and how rigid it is uh, not allowing lenders, uh, whether they, they want to uh, or able to uh, under law, to distinguish between uh, two separate borrowers in two separate circumstances. Okay, so the first one is I would term asset-rich, income-poor. So this is where clients have a very strong asset base but not necessarily a traditional income stream like a POYG job. Now, we've, a perfect example is we've been helping a client uh, borrow $650,000 to purchase a, a property for $1.25 million. So it's about a 50% loan-to-value ratio. They don't have any other debt at the moment. And the client has approximately $20 million of assets in cash shares and superannuation. So... Very high net worth, obviously receiving all their income from dividends, interest and and super pension payments, um, but very low, uh, zero borrowings. And all we're looking to do is borrow $650,000. Now, the bank's approach to this is to say, we're going to ignore all historical dividend and interest income and instead use a, a deeming rate of quarter of 1%, 0.25 of 1%. That means that when looking at a asset pool of $20 million, the bank's going to assume that these clients are only going to generate $50,000 of income off that asset base. Uh, and sure, there's going to be some rental income from the property, 
but when they compare that to living expenses, they turn around and go, oh, we can't, we can't lend these people $650,000, even though they've got $20 million of uh, financial resources. And I think this credit policy of, of applying a deeming rate might be really sensible for you know your mum and dad sort of borrowers where they've got traditional income and maybe they've got a few thousand dollars in shares. And what this uh, policy does is sort of suggest, well, we're going to ignore any income that comes from the shares and we'll just rely wholly and solely on your um, employment income. And for a traditional mum and dad borrower, that is uh, probably a sensible uh, policy. Whereas if you apply this same policy to a high net worth individual, particularly asset rich income poor, I mean, you end up getting a really dumb answer. Now, we've got the loan approved. But the, the process to go through, the hurdles to go through to prove or demonstrate was insane. I mean, if you're not going to lend six hundred and fifty grand to someone that's amassed more than $20 million of wealth, I would argue you're not going to lend to anyone. Okay, so that's the first example. The second example, which is, which is pretty common, is where we have large amounts in offset. So it's very common for our clients, particularly the ones that are approaching retirement, to have a large amount of borrowings, but also that those borrowings are either fully or mostly offset. I was looking at a client before, about $2.5 million in debt and about $2 million in the offset accounts, a net debt of only half a million dollars. And that's prudent. We talk to our clients about reducing debt as they approach retirement. But when it comes to borrowing capacity, the banks ignore the money in the offset account on the basis that, hey, you could go out and blow that money tomorrow. And if you did, you know, you'd have to pay interest. However, common sense tells us that anyone with $2 million sitting in the bank in an offset account is probably pretty good and pretty prudent at managing their own financial affairs. And it's very unlikely they're going to be spending that money frivolously tomorrow. Uh, And in fact, if they end up do spending that money, it's likely they're going to be thinking about, well, if I take the money out of the offset, I've got to pay for interest. Um, And their conservative approach has probably landed them in their their current financial position in the first place. So we can assume that they're going to continue to make prudent financial decisions. So I'm not saying ignore all the rules in this situation, but take into account we've got someone that's a little bit different. We've got someone that has runs on the board uh, to prove that they're a sophisticated Uh, borrower, that they're they're, uh, smart people that uh, make astute financial decisions. Uh, And perhaps the fact that they've got $2 million in the offset account is actually the strongest evidence that they can afford to service more debt. So that's why I think it's time now that uh, the legislation provide for two types of borrowers, uh, retail borrowers and sophisticated borrowers. Now, um, the credit rules started to tighten back in 2009, just after the GFC, Uh, and most of the regulatory holes were plugged by the time the Banking Royal Commission occurred in 2017. Um, So a lot of that work in terms of um, tightening the rules around borrowing, which were ridiculously loose pre-2009, most of that work is already being done, and it is absolutely sensible uh, to um, make sure that... uh, Brokers and banks have a a responsibility to make sure that they're only giving loans to people that can afford them. But also, by the same token, it also makes absolute sense to treat different people differently. And obviously, the Hawke government, who introduced the corporation's 
um, definition of, of uh, wholesale and retail clients, uh, recognise that uh, different people with different levels of financial literacy and capacity um, have the ability to make their own decisions uh, and don't need the levels of protection that other people need. Uh, and in fact, it makes for a far more efficient market uh, if you don't make everyone jump through the same uh, level of hoops. And it's my view that the credit laws must make the same distinction, that higher income earners uh, or people with higher net worths uh, are usually able or in a position uh, where they're, they're able to assess whether it's prudent for them to take out a new loan or not. And in fact, the approach that banks use to assess uh, those individuals should be different to the ones where you've just got a normal mum and dad uh, sort of borrowers that, that have got uh, PAYG jobs. Uh, in some regards, it's more of an asset lend than an income lend. Uh, so when you're dealing with a high net worth uh, individual, uh, you're really lending against their financial resources rather than their ability to go out and earn an income. Uh, and that distinction needs to be made. Uh, it certainly is present to some degree, but really um, the, the legislation needs to provide for that. So perhaps the definition of a sophisticated borrower could be um, uh, someone that is that fulfills one or all three of uh, having, say, an income over $400,000, a net worth over $3.5 million, or total aggregate borrowings over $3 million. Now, look, the exact hurdles, of course, are open for debate. It's just merely an example, but really some distinction between a retail borrower and a sophisticated borrower. Of course, banks must be given a, a very robust framework to work within, but also then enough discretion to operate within that framework uh, to achieve some acceptable outcomes. A and distinguishing between a retail and sophisticated or wholesale borrower, I think, is the first logical step in that direction. Okay, so I'll jump off my soapbox here. Um, just an idea to uh, really help um, borrowers out there and, and certainly banks and mortgage brokers dealing with those borrowers. If you like the idea, uh, please share it. Please get it out there. Uh, I'll certainly be running it past the Australian newspaper. And hopefully if uh, enough people think it has merit, uh, you know, it might be able to uh, affect some change. All right, that's it for me for this week. Until next week, bye for now.